Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. If we're meeting for the first time, consider following us on our socials. You can find them later on in the show. And uh, if you're a regular listener, welcome back. It's nice to have you, especially after the weekend of Supercoach that's just gone. I'm on once again with Pistol Mate. How are you, Legend? I'm good. I feel like that opening was akin to like a flight attendant, like welcoming us to the flight and have a nice time on board and just enjoy yourself. (laughs) Please put all your devices to flight mode. No, actually don't do that because then you probably need the internet to connect to this podcast. Uh, Mate, how how was your weekend? Did you, how'd you go with your scoring? You, you, You get through the dramas all right or no? I did manage to go okay. I mean, I had a lot of players from the Melbourne and Essendon game. I traded in Ridley this week for a nice zero. Oof. Yeah, it made Whitfield um, count. So he was in my best 18 because I just didn't have enough players. I had so many premiums from that match. But I still ended up with 19-10. So the rest of my team performed. And um, I only fell like 400 spots to 7K flat, I think it was. So... Um, not too unhappy, Chizu, but there's something that we do need to talk about, and that is, I guess, what happened this weekend. Um, it's hard to look past the irony of the Thursday podcast saying everything's sweet, we don't need a podcast, <laughs> all the teams are named, there's, there's no, no carnage. There's no chaos that we need to worry about, there's nothing to podcast. Keep moving on, guys, like we'll see you next week. A relaxing weekend ahead of us, and, you know, pretty much... It was the opposite um, of all that. Um, And I want to preface this by saying that I think that Supercoach did a good job. Um, That's possibly not a popular opinion. Um, I think it's the right opinion. I think they got the, I guess, right result um, from what was all of the alternative options. So I'm I'm pretty pleased with um, how it was actually handled as well. So that's probably against the grain. I'm going to explain why, Cheezo, because I think people need to think through all of the possibilities and the outcomes and the precedent it sets going forward. And to me, the thing is the precedent that goes forward. That is the most important thing. I don't really care how they solve the issue for this round as long as I know what's going to happen every other time from now on how it's going to happen. And I know that. And I'm, I'm okay with this being the result. If we look at the altern- the options, right, they're going to be limited by a tech perspective. Remember, this is somebody's Saturday night. They're not sitting up coding and trying to work out new systems like on the spot, on the fly to, to resolve this for us. They have three options. They have take the averages, they have user projected scores, and they have best 18. They're the three things that they have at their disposal to play with. So I'm sure they analyze all three, and I think they've made the best choice out of those three. And here's why. Averages, right? Everyone's saying, well, look, players don't, they're not from their two games. It doesn't really matter. You can trade in Viney and Copper 136, and that's fine. It's not breaking the game. Sure, it's not breaking the game for this particular match. What if next week GWS is cancelled? And now I get Whitfield 71 as my average. What if I've got a rookie or a player that gets injured after one week and he's got a score of two and then the next game is postponed and I've traded them in? Do I cop a two? What if it's the other way? What if it's a Trent McKenzie situation where he averaged 113 in the last game of the season and you know he's played one game and the next game is postponed and we're meant to get his average of 113 at his price and then once the next game after that, you know, ones if it's a Essendon situation and they potentially we don't know what's happening, but ones if they postpone game for two weeks, Chaser, you get Trent McKenzie's equivalent score of you know 113 for somebody that was rookie price for multiple weeks in a row. Like that's clearly 
going to break the game, having players that you can just pick what score you want and trade them in and work around that. I think objectively that is not a fair solution going forward. It works. Yes, it could have worked fine for this one week going forward about the precedent. That's a no for me, Chizo. And projections, I mean, projections aren't too dissimilar to averages. They have, you know, a percentage based on the averages. And also, like, I'm sure you will agree, Chizo, people that own gold and look at the projections, they're not super accurate. And rookies... I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen, to cut you off, I don't think I've ever seen someone score exactly what their projected is. <laughs> it's, you know, some are really high, some are really low. Um, it takes a rookie, again, from their first game. So, um, you know, Giorgidis, oh my gosh, just I, I you said it pre- right before the I, podcast. I know. What is happening I, with you? I don't understand. I, I get on air and I can't pronounce his name. It's a shocker, absolute shocker. Um, anyway, he's projected as like seventy-eight, and um, you know the same thing can happen if if Sturt had got a hundred. I mean, look, Sturt's got eleven. He's got a hundred and eleven. You know, his average is probably okay if I were to use that as a projected score. But once if he was projected a hundred every week. Um, you know, these these aren't realistic options for future situations that may arise. And I think we're kidding ourselves if this is the only postponed game that happens in the entirety of the season. And best 18 you can utilize for many rounds. And out of those three options, I think that's the best option, Chizo. Um, I think it's the fairest because, you know, yes, some people got, I guess, Lucky if they had Kelly uh, late out and they were still, you know, people complain, oh, they, they weren't punished as much as they uh, needed to. But remember, we don't have 18 premiums. So that means if we are limited to our 13 or 14 premiums, if you're missing Kelly and you're missing Dusty, like you're still disadvantaged because you're filling those spots with rookies. Other people are filling those spots with premiums. So they're still getting an advantage. And not just that, all the people... Um, that missed out with the Melbourne and D's play, Melbourne and um, Bombers players. I can understand. I, I'm one of them, and it's frustrating. But I'd rather know what's going to be happening every round for the rest of the year when this ca- happens than you know make the incorrect choice. And Chizo, not. I'm, I'm going on a massive round. I can see you. <laughs> see I feel you. like this is cathartic for you, mate. Keep going. <laughs> I, I, the, you, you're with Chizo, the uh, the doctor in psychology right now. <laughs> And you have to remember at what time of day that this all occurred. We're talking a Saturday night, and the people that are working on this in the background, um, you know, shout out to to Pete Jank, Alpan, and and um, Tim Mitchell. Like this is their Saturday night as well. They they don't want to be doing this on their Saturday night, and they're getting slammed, and they're getting told you need to make a decision before the next game starts because I need to make my captaincy choice. Like, come on, they, man! These guys don't have kids. They don't have lives. <laughs> they don't have other things they're doing on Saturday night. You know as well as I do, they're sitting at the database computer at the at the right place to be to change anything on the drop of a hat. You know that, right? No, you you want them to make the perfect decision in almost no time without being able to like thoroughly, I guess, consider every angle, and they just need to pick one and communicate it before the bounce. I think they've chosen the right option out of the three. Is it the perfect option? No. Would I have preferred a top 16, um, for example? Yes. Um, I think that's more mathematically sound, but it's not viable because it's not in the code. They can't do it in an absolute instance. Um, So, you know, kudos to them, and they communicated it in time. Um, So I think they did an outstanding job, and I I particularly think that the community was extra harsh on them um, given the circumstances, and it's 
I think, you know, whether or not you came at them and you were angry and you said nice things, I think even if you weren't and you didn't care or anything, I think it would be nice if some people would reach out and just tag um, Tim Mitchell, Al Patton and, and Pete Jank on Twitter and just say thank you for your work. You know, yeah. that, that's all you need to say. Just thank you. Yeah, and I'm sure there's there's other people working behind the scenes as well that we aren't crediting here, and it goes out to them as well because they've all done a fantastic job. And I know that at the best of times, I can't get a hold of you and JB simultaneously. It's literally impossible for all three of us to have a conversation on anything important in without at least scheduling it seven days ahead of time. So um, to have any decision done in that amount of time is fantastic. And you know, I just I, I just want to reiterate that. You know, we know what Twitter's like, but there's already been some of these guys that have taken breaks from Twitter and taken breaks from the Supercoach community because of how toxic it can be. And I think if we've learned anything in 2020, it's that maybe we should, you know, try and think about what the the other people are going through and what they might be fearing with. And, you know, maybe they're trying their best just as much as we are. And, you know, two months ago, Pistol... I was going to get disadvantaged by the fact that the the season was splitting up and we no longer had buys and my whole team was perfectly structured for a buy. So, you know, it's just another one of those things, another another bit that we just roll with the punches. And that's the whole point of playing this game. You don't play this game for it to be easy and have every week mapped out. Sure, like, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't, ha- I, I had no expectations of going on in winning this game. You know what I mean? Like, if I was in the top 10 and then I mean, all this I stuff do. happened. Yeah. <laughs> if, it, it, you know, you're legitimately good at the game. I've ne- I have never, ever claimed that I'm, I'm any good at this. But, you it's know, like, I, I can see if you're really highly ranked, how you'd be, you could be frustrated if you're negatively affected by decisions. But, you know, it's the grand scale. It's it's the game that we all enjoy, and I, I think we need to be a little bit more positive um, as a, a, a grand scale um, in terms of the Supercoach community because I think everyone's been doing a fantastic job. And, you know, we st- we still get to play the game we love. So that, that that's my two cents. I think mine was a, a little bit more emotional than uh, than data-driven there, Pistol. I hope you, you haven't fallen asleep there, mate. I, I might throw in some numbers no, no. next time. I, I think what you said is perfect. Um. You know, I guess to continue on my rant very briefly, I'm not going to go fully again. I knew over it would again. continue. I, I can see you I'm right not now. Done you've got, yet. You've got, I'm you've, raging. I, I, can, I can hear you flicking between the pages there of just how much you've got to go. <laughs> look, I, I mean, I saw so many comments saying, well, look what AFL Fantasy did. I'm like, it's a different competition. Our scores are scaled to make up a total number of, you know, 3,300. They're standardized. AFL Fantasy is not standardized. They have lower variance between their round scores. And if they're able to, you know, do, um, you know, they have lower variance due to the shorter time frame and, you know, people scoring 20% less. And if they're able to do averages, that might suit that competition better, but it doesn't suit Supercoach better, um, particularly with the scaling in this year. So I, I just think that they've made the right decision at the in the quickest possible time, was it the optimal decision? No, it wasn't. I mean, that's potentially other things you could have done, like you know, included all of the bench because some poor people had players locked out already that they couldn't then sub on. But you know, they made a very very reasonable solution in a very quick um, turnaround. So I applaud them for that. I do want to touch on. I, I noticed in the article they released, they did say that there would be a double game week. Um, to make up scores for that players. I don't think that that's necessarily confirmed. I know it said, I think it, it's it's probably an option and the more, most likely option, but they definitely will be thinking more about the other alternatives to that now that they've got a little bit of time. I mean, everyone was like, you need to give us an answer. You need to give us an answer. I feel like 
you know, in the panic of the moment, um, people make mistakes or, or whatever it is, and they just have to give an answer to try and please people. But um, I'd like whenever it's confirmed, you know, for there to be open communication, and that's all we can ask for is them to say, look, you know, we've got the tech issues. We, that's why we couldn't do this right now. These are the options we think, well, we don't really need to know what all the options are. We just need to know what the decision is moving forward and say, you know, this is it, and we'll go from there. I, I, I I really think that it was handled quite well. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed by all of the outrage. Yeah, and I think the transparency with those guys has been great about how they got to the decision and why they chose it. I think it's been fantastic. And if you've got a problem with it, how about you email through to their HR department and ask to help out on the weekends or something like that if you're so available. So that, that that's my <laughs> two cents. Uh, we'll move on to the next topic, Pistol. Uh, um, a bit of a uh, a touchy subject, I guess you say. I'm not really sure um, how to bring this one up. It is is quite saddening. We lost one of the Supercoach community in Ollie All Saints from Supercoach Talk uh, in the past week, and it, it's very sad sad news for me because you know I, uh, still being quite young, pistol. I haven't had the uh, the you know had to go through certain things in my life and so it, it's it's hard having someone that you can talk to about supercoach all the time and you know if if for, for some reason you disappeared then uh, I, I don't know how I'd be feeling I can only imagine what his family's going through in the the supercoach talk community themselves um, are, are suffering at the loss and we'd just like to extend our deepest condolences to to all involved at the the loss of all saints who was truly really accepting of us when uh, we started at, at Dr. Supercoach and really gave us the time of day to, um, to, to listen to all our, our things that we had posted on Twitter and, and, and our thoughts in the Supercoach community. So I'd just like to extend that on behalf of Dr. Supercoach. Yeah, well said, Jizo. He was an unbelievable bloke and uh, my thoughts are definitely with his family and the Supercoach Talk family. That's, you know, I, I, unfortunately, um, as part of a fan footy member for uh, over 10 years now, actually, um, a couple years in, we also lost a very, very popular community member, <clears throat> Max Lee, and uh, that was really, really difficult at the time as well. And you know, it's it's absolutely shocking, and I feel so much for everyone. Yeah, and what what they do have going for his family is a GoFundMe. We'll link it in the uh, the, the description or the show notes. Uh, they're currently just three hundred dollars short of the goal that they're looking to raise. Um, on behalf of Ollie All Saints, and I'd like to extend the offer, extend the offer from Doctor Supercoach. If you're someone from our community that did suffer a donut um, because of the past rounds' hectic nature, I'd like to extend the offer for you to make your donut donation uh, to the, Go, uh, the the GoFundMe page for for Ollie All Saints as a uh, um, a, a way that we can uh, influence. Um, you know, try and bring some positivity, positivity, and um, yeah, and, to a and, sad situation. Yeah, exactly. And getting my words choked up here, pistol. So thanks for jumping in. Um, but yeah, very, very sad. And uh, hopefully that that comes to some good. So um, thanks, guys. We'll um, jump into uh, some of the Patreon housekeeping now, pistol. Uh, we've got three shout outs that we do need to give. It's Christian Schultz, Bradley Hill. 
uh, from St Kilda by the looks of it. Uh, and uh, Matt G, uh, all thanks for jumping into uh, the Patreon. And uh, just one donation that we uh, we did actually overlook, Pistol. We, uh, uh, we had Jacko from Slack uh, donate to the, uh, uh, the Cancer Council a few weeks ago that we missed. Uh, just out of pure excitement to see you on the big screen a few weeks ago, mate. He was, uh, I'm not sure that, that, that how that rendered a, a donation, seeing as you were getting paid the big bucks to go on TV, mate. So, <laughs> no, not at uh, all. <laughs> J- I don't think Jacko can buy any more skins for, for Call of Duty now. He spent all his pocket money, but uh, thanks for that, Jacko. We really appreciate that too. Um, okay. We've got through all the housekeeping and all the important topics that we wanted to talk about, Pistol. We will start and get into some super coach. I guess the big news that we do need to talk about is Josh Dunkley uh, suffering an ankle injury late in their game on the weekend against the Giants. Uh, it's been confirmed as a syndesmosis injury, um, which is a high ankle sprain pistol. It's said that he's going to miss at least a fortnight. Now, coming from my medical background, I have to say that a high-grade syndesmosis injury is significantly more than a fortnight. Uh, and I expect in the maybe the coming days that there's an update to that, that uh, I, I consider at least a month to six weeks as a, a typical syndesmosis injury if it doesn't require surgery. That's a very long time in a shortened season. I mean, two weeks is probably enough in this season to trade him out. So, Chizo, this is a big trade out. He's in, you know, 10% of teams. Um, is it as easy as if you don't have Lockie Neal on that fife? find the way to get Lockie Neal on that five. I mean, you've summed it up right there. The, the, we At the start of the season, we said the, these were the two guys that if, uh, particularly if five doesn't get injured, he could potentially go 130 for a year. I knew that Lockie Neal was a good selection. I didn't think he was going to be this good. I mean, after three rounds... He, he's just had 166 on the weekend. You're probably thinking to yourself, oh, that's, a, that's a great round. He's averaging 164. He's just bad. He just had an average week. <laughs> I, it's ridiculous. Uh, I'm very pleased that I brought him in, um, although I did have to get Ridley in to get him, but I still managed to make points off that trade. So um, I Positive did flick BB. Dusty to that. Yeah, it's, it, it's worked out. Um, it's going to be very difficult to not have him this week against Adelaide in particular. I imagine he will be a at least a captain, vice-captain, if not a captain choice by every person that owns him, um, as you would expect when the guy's averaging 164 points. Um, if you can't afford him, though, Chizo, we have to look at some other options. We'll probably... Let's, let's not talk about a potential double game week and you know, Essendon and Melbourne players. When that's confirmed, we can discuss that later. Other You've already options, got that out of your system. Let's get to some other we options. We had to. Though. We had to get just just make a touch on it and <laughs> move on. What other options this week uh, do you see um, as alternatives for Dunkley? Well, it's interesting because all the usual names are not at the top of the list. <laughs> you're, you're, looking right. at, you're looking at... Uh, uh, you know, maybe the likes of the Danger. You're looking at the likes of Titch. Players that you think you can take home to the bank, they're nowhere to be found in 2020. And just by you know looking at the top of the list, you've got um, uh, names as like Lockie Neal and Fife. As you start to kind of scroll down, you know who's having a good year. You've got Dylan Shield in the top ten. You know what is this year? You know what I mean. So um, I think there's going to be some unique moves that you can do with Josh Dunkley. 
and there are some unique options that you can select. And I'm going to pick one that I continually overlook. I look, I, I overlooked this guy for like 18 rounds last year before oh, no. I said, okay, yeah, this is, you know, this is like the kind of the real deal. I probably should get him in. And I, I think it's your suggestion uh, pre-podcast in Travis Boak. I'm going to steal it from you in that he is just perennially underrated. And I don't think that I could ignore how good he's been playing in a fantastic you know, Port Adelaide side this year. 0.9% of teams, Travis Boak is averaging 132 points. That is enormous. They have come in three wins, which I would say, uh, I'm not sure they can keep up, but Port, Port are good. Like, there's a lot of teams that are mediocre. Um, Port seemingly are good. So I think there's no reason that he can't go 110 plus. He's probably not going to average 130 plus. He could go 120 plus. Um, depending on how well Port goes. So I think if you want a unique option that can absolutely just burst you up the ranks, Travis spoke 0.9% of teams. He's probably one that can take you there. Um, some other options, Cheezo, that I want to touch on, someone that's in less teams than Boke, if you can believe it. How is that possible? He's in 0.5% of teams, and that's Mitch Duncan. Oh God. He's... um. Going at 119, and we've spoken about that Geelong fixture and playing at home. We all thought Dangerfield, he's the one to get at GMHBA Stadium. It's Duncan that's been performing super well there at the moment. And he is, you know, 30k cheaper than Boak, so he might free up some other things. What do you what do you reckon about that one, Chizo? I don't mind, Mitch. I, I I know there's there's 820 people in the land that do have him, well, in the world probably, as soon as a global game, uh, is that does have Mitch Duncan, and I presume M is one of them, uh, massive Geelong <laughs> fan. Um, I like it. I do like it. it. It's it's not like the likes of Danger are not getting centre bounce rotations because he had the most centre bounce attendances of anyone in the Geelong side on the weekend. It, it, maybe there's some old man syndrome. Maybe he's over the hill. Maybe it's just that year, the first year, that he's not going to average 130. But Duncan seems to be taking a lot of that load um, and performing quite well. And as a unique option, I think that's you know a really good choice. Um, the, the only thing that I would say when, when talking about a number of these players, take it with a grain of salt because we don't actually know what the fixture is for the coming month. So we've got the next game, but you might, uh, you know, in, in seven days' time, it might... Um, a lot of these choices might seem obvious once you, you you see one team has a really good run because you know as Pistol always says Tom Hawkins has got a great run coming up. Um, uh, but <laughs> I'm it, never going to live that down, am I, Chizo? Just you're never going to live it down. You're not. Um, <laughs> uh, in fantasy, he did score 20, so he did have a good game. Um, uh, but there are some, uh, you know, if you do, if you are a little concerned about the whole, um, you know, fixturing situation, there are some more kind of tried and true players that you can look to to, to potentially being in. Maybe a Patrick Cripps who's going 117.3 this year. Just not. He's not really shooting the lights out yet. Um, he's just kind of having a you know a, a, a solid start to the year rather than um, uh, than going amazingly well. But 117 from him is also someone uh, that has the Super Coach scoring um, history is one to look at as well. Pistol, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's it's hard to go past Cripps, but. I can't, I can't really say anything bad about him. Uh, the man's a beast. But Chizo, there's there's a couple of plays I'm going to very quickly touch on. Uh, Taylor Adams and Steel Sidebottom uh, in 1.2% of teams and 1.8% of teams Both have awesome years too. They're both going above 116 average. 
I feel a little hesitant to suggest either of them just because Trelaw will be back soon and we don't really know exactly what effects that will have, particularly on Sidebottom who gets pushed a little bit more outside. Adams will still be in the guts, but there may be less points to go around. So mm. when there's other options available, I wouldn't go there. I have a couple more options that I'm quite big on. Andrew Gaff, 3.5% of teams, is averaging 124 plus... They're going to go to the um, you know West Coast hub very shortly, and he's going to get a lot of home games. And we know how well he performs at home already. Um, on on, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, and they they're going to need to improve as well. So there'll be, I guess, hopefully they improve. I can't imagine they keep losing Chizo. There'll be more points to go around. He's already averaging 125. I think if you have to target. Um, a unique player that's going to get an advantage by the fixture. I think uh, Andrew Gaff is somebody that I would definitely recommend. It's it's so confusing for me because the way that the algorithm is working so far this year is it seems to be benefiting those that are playing contested ball, you know, at the coalface, snavelling the ball away from the opposition. And then you've got Andrew Graff that hasn't had a contested possession since 2017, averaging 124. <laughs> I just, it, it, it's baffling to me. I, I, I'm not really sure how to break that down. But the, the way that you present it had a great start to the year, playing away from home. We know the flat track bullies are going to be really happy to be back, be back in the West in the coming weeks. Um, I can't argue with it. I can't explain it, but I can't argue with it. I think uh, he gets so much of the ball in the short period of time. It is adding up, and he's a good user as well. He, he's genuinely been extremely good this year and a very um, disappointing West Coast site um, to date. And lastly, you did mention the contested ball winner scoring well, and there's a pair of swans, um, 586,000 each, which is pretty funny, and they have only scored one point difference. And both averaging 115, and that's Luke Parker and Josh Kennedy in 0.7 and 1.1% of teams, respectively. Chizo, are they some, I guess, a pair of players? Uh, I don't know if it, what hub they're going to end up in, but are they uh, players to consider? They're definitely up there for consideration. I've always said that JPK this year and and probably the, the 12 months previous is definitely past his prime i don't see here i don't see him having the ceiling or the potential to go 120 this year and be a genuine replacement for dunkley if you're getting rid of dunkley that has the upside of 120 you want someone that also has the upside of 120 and likewise i think luke parker is a fantastic afl footballer but he's never shown a consistency in ceiling so he has those games where he goes 150 plus and he had had a few years where he went 100 10, 115, but he's never had a consistent, um, really high ceiling, which is something personally about those two that kind of hold me back. And uh, that kind of leads me into the next uh, selection um, that I can't believe that I've overlooked to this point, and that's Jack McRae. We know the start of the year, um, you know, two weeks ago, I was saying if you had to get rid of one of the three dogs, he would be the first one you keep and you'd choose between Dunkley and Bont, which one you're going to flick. We've now seen in the last few weeks they've been playing him off the half-back line. He only had nine centre-bounce rotations last week, and people are starting to get a little bit concerned that his role has changed too much for their liking. The Bulldogs are one of those teams where they always put their best rotation in. So the the player that's probably impacted him the most this year is the emergence of Bailey Smith into being a genuine centre-bounce midfielder. And they had to pick one of those guys that probably had the best potential to play um, you know, off that back flank a little bit. And if you're looking at Dunkley, you're looking at Bont, 
um, it was going to be McRae. And so I can totally understand why they sent him out. It's not that I'm a bit peeved off that they did send him out of the centre bounce rotations. My salient point is that with Dunkley gone from you know at least four to six weeks in my eyes until you know reports come out to say that uh, give him more confirmed time. The way that Bevo coaches is he tends to have those gun centre bounce midfielders in the centre bounces exclusively, and I see Jack McRae going back in. All right, I'm, I'm definitely not going to argue anything against Jack McRae, Chizo. Uh, you win, you win that argument. Um, I think for people who don't really have the budget um, and they need somebody much cheaper, um, kind of an outside the box player that's had a very very high points per minute, one point eight to be precise, only at five hundred and twenty k. Diego Mira, he has scored one hundred twelve and one hundred forty two. Um, look, he's come back and been in ridiculously good shape. He's playing very good football. Hawks, I mean, they, they were kind of pouring around too, but the other two weeks, they've been playing very well. Um, I think it would be more fixture-dependent what hub they end up in, um, but I could definitely see him taking off. My concern would be the um, potential tag in, in week five against GWS, if he cops the DeBoer tag or not. It's a little bit worrying, but I think at a, a cut price option, um, if you're not going to go... Viney, if you know, depends on the aforementioned confirmation or not confirmation. I think um, that's a, a cheap, relatively decent alternative that has potential to just break out one year. We we know that he was you know the number one pre-draft pick for a reason. So um, a breakout at some stage is going to happen, whether or not he's peaked or not. That's yet to be determined, I think. But this year he's given a good shake, and I'm uh, excited to see what he can do. Yeah, really, really appreciate it, uh, that that selection. Uh, I, I guess a lot of this that we should say, the other Josh in Josh Kelly, who was laid out with uh, a calf injury, I guess kind of applies to him as well, you'd say, Pistol. I don't think I, you know, pre-season I said that he's got too much of a, an injury history for me to consider him going into the into 2020, and it's, you know, it's taken three rounds, if you know, if not three months, to kind of prove that correct. Um, but if I had him, I just wouldn't be stuffing around. I'd, I'd say I'd take this as the the final chance to get rid of him before you're stuck with him. You know, six weeks on your bench for this one week calf injury. I mean, if you can use him to get to five or Neil, then you've got to do it. It's funny the timing of his injury because on the Monday podcast, I said I was a little biased because I really dislike him as a pick and went on about how you know why I didn't think that he was a, a super good super coach selection. Um, and then he was laid out. And uh, I, I think now, if you've got no other pressing issues and you have no other trades to make, and you can upgrade to one of these, I guess, midfielders that are way more reliable, I would definitely be doing that. Um, I know if JB was on the podcast, who's a massive Kelly fan, <laughs> I'm not sure he would agree, but last week he seems uh, pretty, I'd say, convinced um, that Kelly might not be as good as we like to think that he is um, as a super coach option particularly in 2020. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Let's say that um, the Ds are back this week and you're looking to get some cash generation. Maybe you want to pick Harley Bennell up to get some cash going. Say you've also got Josh Dunkley and Josh Kelly. Is there any preference? I, I mean, it seems cut and dry for me, but I think it's worth touching on. You get rid of Dunkley first because, you know, he seems to have the more concrete evidence on what his injury is going to be. Uh, you, Kelly could be this week or he could be next month. 
Um, yeah. But, but at least with with Dunkley, I think it, we know we know for a fact he's going to be out for at least a month. If you have both of them out, you have no excuse not to have Neil or Fife because you can work it out. You have so much money yeah. to play around with. So I guess my <laughs> I guess my question is: Would you prioritize getting Neil and? Fife just go bang bang replace those two injuries with two big guns or would you be forced to pick one and get Harley Bunnell for cash generation what's your thoughts on uh, the most important thing to do in in 2020 is it cash or or points look I think I'd almost be getting Lockie Neal even though he's at a big price but you know him performing as a captaincy option is it's like nothing else at the moment and if you don't have him I know he's expensive, but you're falling behind really quickly. He's in 44% of the team, so I'd, I'd, I'd definitely be looking at ways to try and get him. If you miss him this week, I don't think I'd be paying 800k for anybody in the game. Mm. Um, yeah, so it, it's he's playing Adelaide. If he wasn't playing Adelaide, I'd be more reluctant to say get him in at 737k, but Adelaide are woeful, and if they can leak these massive scores to pretty much every Gold Coast player, Lockie Neal's in with a legitimate chance to double ton this week <laughs> well I, I i'll just i'll give you a grain of salt i'll i'll be the demon on the 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 devil on the other shoulder pistol after four rounds in 2019 Lockie neal was averaging 146 the competition realized how important he was well at least the coaches of the competition realized how important he was to the brisbane setup and they started giving him attention for the remaining 18 rounds of the year he averaged 116 is there any concern that this week you might be paying $740,000, already $80,000 more than his his starting price this year to get him in. Is there a chance that you're buying high rather than getting decent value? There's definitely every chance, Chizo, but he's gone 164, which is a lot better than the 146 from last year. So he might not even be taggable at this stage. It's, it's he's next level, that isn't it? Good. We haven't seen this sort of start before. Like 164 points. It's ridiculous how many points that is, particularly when you're captaining him every week and no one is you know, within 25 points per game of him so far um, in average. So it's, yeah, I, I feel like captaincy alone, you know, if you're making 50 points on the competition, you kind of need to figure out a way um, to get him. But unfortunately, if you've got five solid midfielders and... You know, there's some people that just genuinely don't have a way to get him, and yeah. there's nothing they can do except pray that he gets tagged. <laughs> I, I guess one of the questions in, in in reference to my Dunkley and and Josh Kelly, just to circle back to that, I didn't really explain it too well, um, is in that if you wanted to get Lockie Neal, it's going to be really hard to find that extra hundred k to go up from one of those two, and then if you're going down a hundred k from one of those two there's almost kind of mid-range players that you have a little less confidence in and that's where you might have to do a little cash um, renegotiation and pick up a Harley Bunnell just to ensure you got Lockie Neal. It's, it's kind of what I was pointing out. Like it would be a great world if you could just trade two 600K players for two 700K players, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. I, f- I think the maths gets, uh, it gets a bit jumbled. Um, so I just thought I'd, I'd point that out because I explained that really poorly. Um, uh, we'll jump from the midfield into the forward line where there's arguably more dramas. We've got premiums either not playing or getting knocked out. We've got rookies that scored 100 one week to 11 the next week. It, it is definitely a yo-yo, and we can't even pick Elliot in the forward line anymore. That's many years ago now. What are we thinking about doing with Dusty this week? 
I mean, I think he's going to return, uh, so it would be a hold. But if he is out again and we have no indication as to why and they keep saying he has bruised ribs, uh, I don't know about you, Chizo, but Dusty seems to me like a pretty tough guy. And if he's out for two weeks with bruised ribs, I'm a little concerned about uh, potentially his ribs being broken or you know some other, I guess, injury because that seems a little bit sus to me. Uh, I guess you're, you've got more... I guess, medical knowledge. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So anyone that tells you bruised ribs, is it's just a BS diagnosis. And I'll tell you why. Because if you can, typically if you can see the bruising uh, on the skin, it's subcutaneous, it's not, um, it, it's not bone bruising. And then to confirm that it's bone bruising, which would be bruised ribs, the imaging that you have to do to confirm that is such a waste of time because you can't do anything for broken or cracked ribs anyway. And so they generally treat it conservatively without um, imaging at all. And so to be an out with bruised ribs usually indicates that they've just had some trauma in that region and they're a bit sore. They don't actually have a definitive diagnosis about what it is. It's just a bit bruised and sore underneath there which leads me to thinking that it's not as bad as it is because very easily you can determine if you've got cracked rib or just take a quick x-ray. And so bruised ribs is, is sounds like a little bit of a cop-out. It sounds like Dusty's a little bit sore, so we're going to give him a rest. Where's he sore? Oh, he's a bit sore in the rib cage. Oh, he's got bruised ribs. That's how it sounds sounds to me. And so I'm confident he's going to come back. And the fact that he played with it the week before supposedly makes me think that uh, well, it explains his score the week before. Let's put it that way first. <laughs> um, but it, it makes me think that it's not as serious as you know that that uh, they're making it out to be. And and quite often rib injuries, when it's not a fracture, it's a intercostal um, cartilage or muscle injury and stuff like that, which can it can linger around for a while. So um, if he's out this week and we get no real concrete explanation of when he's coming back. I would be giving him the flick no hesitation because it's one of those really touchy-feely so like areas that can just keep extending until you feel good. Um, so I'd certainly be getting rid of him if he's not back this week. That's just my opinion. Cheezer, you're really putting the doctor into Dr. Supercoach's podcast, so I very much appreciate that. Um, I think for me, a worry for Dusty is that when he returns, it's to what role? Like We know if in the two games that he's played, he ended up... Uh, playing purely on ball. He was in all the center bounces, basically. Um, I'm worried if he comes back a little bit ginger, a little bit sore, that he plays more up forward and that role will be um, detrimental to his super coach scores. So there is some concern there, particularly if he misses another week. Um, you know, I, I just, I heard bruised ribs and I was like, yeah, all right, I'm getting Neil. I can't can't wait anymore um, for this. But uh, Chizo, those that have Whitfield, um, he hasn't been confirmed or denied even um, passing of a concussion test, so we don't really know. Um, he's bound to drop quite a bit of money, but he's already dropped you know, 60K this week, roughly. So um, what to do with him if he is out this week? Personally, if he's out this week, well, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to play this week. I think that when you get a sincere... Uh, a serious concussion. The rules um, governing, you know, sports from the Australian Medical Association recommend at least a week to two weeks without contact training in terms of um, AFL sport. It's it's physical uh, 
exercising at all for the first week as they recommend um, nothing after a, a bad concussion. So to see that sort of hit that just completely wiped him out um, makes me think that the appropriate medical um, treatment is that he shouldn't be playing this week. Now, Lockie Whitfield is another Andrew Gaff, very outside, so um, it's not like they're going to throw him back into the centre again. And we've seen last year where we saw a horrific one with um, Nat Fife that he probably shouldn't have played within the, the seven-day period that he did, and he still came back, and that's down to the medicos with their team. And he dominated. <laughs> and he dominated, which was confusing as hell to me. Um, <laughs> but my question, my question is... Are you locking in too much of a loss by getting rid of rid of Whitfield if he's out this week? Because the thing is, I don't see him missing more than one week. And besides getting knocked out, he's still he's still averaging over 100. I think he was averaging 103 or 104 up until that point. Um, so, which is exactly what we predicted in the preseason. He's performing as we expected, as that um, just bankable forward that we hoped for. The problem is, you've got two tons in the first two weeks, then an eight, then a zero, and the other the next week, if you do decide to hold him, is it not just worth getting rid of him to try and keep up with the pack? Because the longer you wait to, um, you know, wait for him to come back and feel good again, you're already 100 points behind the competition. It's an interesting topic because, for me, I look at his current price and I think, well, he's only going to drop to, you know, what, 460 maximum. That's not far from his current price. He's not really going to drop that much more money. And honestly, if he plays next week, it's Lockie Whitfield. You know, he's one of the highest scoring, if not the highest scoring forwards uh, from here on out. So I'd rather the points than the money at that stage. And, you know, if other people want to get him, I guess, good on them. They were able to get him cheaper than I was. But I want the points. And if I'm going to trade him out um, and he plays just to save money, because that's what I see other people are like, yeah, I'll just drop him to a rookie, I'll make some money, I'll trade him back next week. Yeah, he's going to drop you know, 50, 60K again, but you're missing the points that he's going to make you that week. Which missing the point altogether. Yeah. I, I mean, look, if you have two free trades and you've got nothing else to do and he's ruled out, then you know, sure, trade him out to somebody that's on the rise and make some money, I guess, and trade him back in or something. Um, but to me, this feels like this is a, a hold situation. My gut feel is much more strongly on the hold side for you know somebody that's averaged 100 you know last year um much well over 100 i should say so yeah although it is kind of um frustrating that i feel like he hasn't really been good value this season um i didn't really want to select him in the preseason but i also just thought risk reward of not having him if he goes bonkers just bankable yeah it just hasn't happened for him this year yet but cheese if you were trading him um, what options, what forward options in particular would you be considering? I think we have a multitude of options that we can choose from. The forwards are just absolutely kicking off this year. Uh, someone that I really like, and it's not—it's it, combined to a few players' roles inside of the, 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 the team, and it's, it's one guy that I'm really annoyed that I didn't start after I, I really thought he'd have a good year this year, and that's Michael Walters. <laughs> Yes, he's having a good start to the year, but I like the fact that he's attending more centre bounces than Fife. And it may be, as you say, um, linked to certain players that aren't you know, available for selection right now. But this is kind of what we've expected for a number of years, and he might have burnt us two or three years ago when we, we went a bit early on him. But 
I think I see this as his capabilities to do long term. He, he he's getting the right role, getting those centre bounce rotations, and Fremantle aren't doing too badly with him in there. So um, I, I I really like him as a selection, as a straight swap for Lickf- uh, for Whitfield if you are getting rid of him. Jeez, he's been really good this year. 122 average, but he's expensive. He's 588k. You need mm. to you need to get money from Whitfield to be able to bring him in. Um, it's a bit tough, and Akers hasn't played in the side yet. I'm not sure if that will affect him or not, but uh, I'd feel a little uncomfortable paying 588k for him when I think there's some other options that just are going from strength to strength. I mean, it would be uh, remiss of us not to mention Jai Simkin at the moment. Uh, JB would be spewing his not on this podcast to talk about him because he brought him in at 380k, but he has gone bonkers when Cunnington was out and they needed that inside ball-winning mid. Simpkin stood up, big 140 this week. For him, it's not even predicting that, you know, can he hold on? It's purely role-dependent. He has been the leading centre-bounce attendee for his team, um, you know, over the first three rounds. He has got the role. He's a good player. Um, there is no reason that he can't score well this season. Yeah, I absolutely agree. He's got the right role. He's got the pedigree. He was held back through injury in his pre he, he, his younger years, and that's why he started more as a forward. But I think this is the year that you know he really stamps his command as a, a midfielder for the 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 Kangas. So uh, I do like that selection. I'm a little bit dirty that I missed the boat, and I know there there's a, a couple of my mates that picked him right at the start of the year, expecting him to to break out. And I've missed the boat. It's just what I don't it, think you've missed the boat. It's, it's just, for eighty k. You can still get it in my in my side. It, I, I'm I'm probably going to hold Whitfield. So yep. you know he's probably who I'd I, I'd be going after Walters. I, I think I'd bank the Walters um, at this stage rather than Simkin. Just just because I, I tend to err on the safe side and pick known commodities over someone that's three games into their breakout year doing something they've never <laughs> done before. Um, so, yeah, a, another one that I really, really like um, and is is underappreciated is Bailey Smith Pistol. I know you're a big fan of him in Keeper Leagues. Yeah, he's been phenomenal wouldn't this give year. It, wouldn't give him to me, would you? I would not trade Bailey Smith for anything. <laughs> I no, tried. He, <laughs> he, he's taken his game straight away to another level. Um, and now with the Dunkley injury as well, you know you're going to get a minimum fortnight of big scores out of him. Probably more. Um, also, he's a really fun player to own. You know those players that you get where you're like genuinely excited to have them in your side? Parish, yeah, every uh, year. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Parish, but <laughs> Bailey Smith. When you're watching him, you're like, man, he's good to watch and it feels great that he's in my side. He's only in 4.6% um, of sides. He's averaging 111. He's the same price as Jai Simkin, though, so you have a big call to make. Yeah. Um, but... It's not to say that he can't out-average him this year. I probably would get Simkin over Smith um, if I was going for overall rank. But if I'm having more fun with it this year, oh, Bailey Smith would be straight in my side. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of us going just for fun this year, don't don't you worry. And, and I, I guess the, the difference with Bailey Smith is he's got three genuine superstars around him, uh, if Dunkley was fit, that um, over the course of the season may take time out of him. Simpkins not competing with anyone. 
JB, don't you come in here and start talking about Sean Higgins. I will not have that trash in 2020 anymore. Simpkins not getting forced out of that midfield playing the way he is. There's no one in that side. So, uh, sorry, Webdog, I'm not, not trying to trash your team. Um, I, 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 just before we do move on, I, I like those selections. Um, maybe Hugh Greenwood uh, is another one. If you don't have him, I really like that as a, a selection um, to Pistol because he hasn't really set the world on fire and he's already averaging 110, so I, I think he's he's passed all the all the tests. I want to, I want to know the bunch of people that are trading in Dan Butler. <laughs> I, I've seen way too many trades of Lockie Whitfield to Dan Butler. Can some? Can you explain that to me, Pistol? When you've got yes, he's 340k, but it's Dan Butler, right? He's been really good. I mean, this year. It's a year like no other, but he's gone back-to-back tons now. He had 115 last week, 124 this week. He's only 344K, so he's still got a negative break-even, negative 42. He's going to make a lot more money, and he he looked really good for Saints. I'm not saying I would recommend him, but if you want a cash grab and you have 344K, I mean, this is a strange year, and it's a strange option, and... uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm here for the chaos that <clears throat> oh, sorry. bringing in Butler will bring to your side. It's a hilarious pick. I don't know why I find I get so much pleasure thinking about Dan Butler in my super coach side. I don't know. It's it's, it's hilarious, Jizo. Um, I did want to just quickly mention on Greenwood because um, I brought him in. Oh, of course, yeah. I've got to mention him because I brought him in. Yeah, go, go, go. No, no, no. I did want to say there was a noticeable difference. Um, I have watched him. <laughs> um, the last the last two weeks, I have put time aside to watch Gold Coast, but um, it looked like this week with the inclusion of Swallow um, that Greenwood played more of a, I guess we'll call it a prestier defensive midfielder role. Um, he only got the ten touches, but the thirteen tackles, like he was hunting the ball. Um, so something to keep the eye on. I, I don't know if thirteen tackles. I would. I wouldn't call that sustainable mm. by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and he got a lot less ball. So just something to consider on watching him. But I am confident that you know if he's tunning up, well, more uh, than tunning up from ten touches, and poor, still poor disposal yeah. efficiency. I watch him every week, and he's disposal is not great and he's just yeah i can't blame him he's getting all the clearances he's just handballing it out here's the thing (laughs) hugh greenwood you know how when you're looking through the stats they talk about the kick to handball ratio right you know two the titch has a low kick to handball ratio because he i don't i don't actually know if he knows he can kick the ball but anyway move on Hugh Greenwood, we've always measured him on disposals to tackle ratio. You know, the, the, it's just he's never going to accumulate more of the ball than he is trying to tackle the guy with it. That's just the way he plays. He's, he's always going to be a low possession, high pressure point player, and that's going to be really, really good for this year. So if he has a game and gets 20 touches, good for you. Suddenly Greenwood's got 130 for you. All you need him to do is just play his natural game the way that the algorithm is being applied in the shorter format, suiting his lower time on ground as he usually would. Um and he's going to score well, so I, I I have no issue with him whatsoever, especially the way the Suns are going so far. Jeez, I got three, maybe four players. Only one I'm I'm going to ask you about in depth. I'm just going to briefly light. I got one more feather. Too. I got feathers. Feathery. We'll touch on Jack Martin. I'm just going to note that he had very high set of bounce attendances on the weekends, and um, I'd like to see him continue in that role um, before bringing him because he was 
phenomenal. I don't really want to talk about Segler that much. I just want to note how well he's been playing this year, <laughs> and I find it absolutely hilarious. Um, one that I wanted to get your opinion on, he didn't play this week, but he is a bomber, and we know that Heppel is potentially, or probably, ruled out for the season now. Kyle Langford, he's averaged 96 across the first two games. Um, he's seemingly getting a lot more midfield time, and he's popping up and he's scoring quite well. He's quite cheap. <laughs> nah. He's 418k. Nah. Do you see him don't getting do a bigger role don't do it with Heppel out? If you're going to pick an Essendon player, don't go Langford. Don't, don't, okay. don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Fair yeah. enough. I'll, sh- I'll shoot I, one back to you. I wanted, I wanted, wanted someone to say it. <laughs> I'll shoot you. I'll shoot one back to you from from Twitter. Only in seven hundred and nine Supercoach sides right now, averaging one hundred and sixteen from the year. You already know who it is. I'm going to yes. shout out to Jesse Caldera of Twitter, who shared his own tweet from February, saying that he'd like to get on Brad Ebert. And, you know, he gave himself a little bit of a share, a bit of a pump up, just pump up your tyres and say, wasn't this a good tweet? It only counts if we start them, Jesse. You can't trade Dusty to him last week and then try and claim Brad Ebert from preseason. You've got to start him. That's the rules. You know, you- to be fair, <laughs> I'm pretty sure... He- <laughs> yeah, it, look, it's, it's a bit roughy. I know he had him in his side. I think <laughs> Dog did as well off the top of my head. Had him in his side all preseason, and he was so bad in the preseason games yeah, he was. that they were like, nah, we, we can't possibly start him. And then he's come out this season, <laughs> and he's just gone bonkers, 104, 127, 116. But, Chizo, as somebody that has held Brad Ebert in my Keeper League for far too long, far too it's long, be like I will tell you've you... Had him in that. I will tell you for a fact that he starts hot like nearly every year. And at some stage, like in the middle of the year, he's one of the top scoring players in the game. And then he just dies and he just scores (laughs) terribly. And this is something that he just does over and over and over again. I don't know what it is with Brad Ebert. Okay. And I, I feel like this is just classic Brad Ebert and it's going to happen again. Well, he was averaging 100 at round six last year before he, he missed some time um, through injury and whatnot. So, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay that pistol. He, he, he certainly did start well last year. We'll put it, and he, he, he it's did... more than last year. I guarantee it. I'm going to go, I'm going to look it up while we're talking because, I'm, I don't know, I've got nothing better where, to do where, while where's the in Benny the middle hit? of a All podcast. Right. Round 2018, round nine, he was averaging 96 and he finished the year averaging 86.9. Maybe there's some merit to this, mate. There is merit. I've just opened up like a bunch of years. Um, I know we're getting completely sidetracked, but... No, no, no. This is not sidetracked. This is important research. Ready? Ready? (laughs) Pre-buy in 20... What's this? 2018. Averaged 110 and then finished the year averaging 101. There we go. There you go. That's huge. Definitive. That's enormous. What's the R squared value? It's got to be 99, doesn't it? Hold on. So 2015, before the buy, (laughs) he was averaging 110... (laughs) And finished the year on 97. Oh, my God. In 2014, um, he averaged... Well, there wasn't a buy. The buys were a bit off in 2014. But at roughly the midway point, round 13, where the other buys are, he was averaging 106 and ended the year averaging 94. Um, And let me go to 2013. 
No, it's just consistently. Okay, let's get, let, that doesn't support the argument. Let's delete that one out. Let's let's confirmation. Oh, we've just ourselves. picked on five years out of the last. I didn't even. I missed one of the years accidentally. I didn't even check it. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just going to check Wait, it now. 2016. Okay, okay, I'm changing my mind. Anyone that's, anyone that's still listening. Year. <laughs> If you didn't start him, maybe don't get him in because he's going to die. <laughs> I mean, die in the ass. Like his points are going to fall off. This is got. This is getting out of hand. We need to get back on target here, mate. He, he. It's just. It's something I've noticed. He just does it all the time. So, yeah, watch out. You're going to get half a year out of Brad Ebert, which might be enough. That this might year, be the honestly. full season. You never season. know. It might be. Ten, it might be ten rounds for all we know. Maybe this is the right. We've play. cracked it. We've cracked the code. We've cracked it. Cracked he can't. He can't code. fall off now at the end of the season. <laughs> It's, it's not long enough. The high scoring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll jump into the next one before we get any more sidetracked. There's um, more. There is one more thing I want to run past you. All right, we're, I'm I'm getting to the point now where I'm saying we almost have enough evidence to say that the rucks are definitely being positively affected by the way the game is being played. We're we're seeing far too media so far too many mediocre ruckmen in the AFL scoring 280 points in Supercoach. And it's confusing the heck out of me. And I know by round eight, I'm going to have six Ruckman in my, in my team. Or my whole forward line is going to be every DPP Ruckman we can have. How how do we not get carried away by getting in Segler, then getting Naismith, then getting Pitney, then somehow trying to get Grundy and Gorn back? How do we kind of you know focus in on what the important things are, Pistol, and not get too carried away? Great question, kind of. I feel like this is a week or two weeks late, but still, nonetheless, it's important. We need more data. We acknowledge rucks are dominating. Um, I think what's more interesting is, oh, look, you can't really get a whole forward line full of rucks because there's just not that many DPP, which is fine. But I think people now who got Pitney and have Naismith have a genuine, not a problem, but it's just something to think about. Or if you miss Pitney, is it too late to go Naismith to Pitney and having to pay that 60K? Um, I'm going to say, I mentioned it in the last podcast. Grundy, he was a bit sore. He got 103. I suggested last week if you did Grundy to Pitney, you could do a rookie to Neil. That trade would have resulted in over 150 points. Um, is it still on the cards? Can you viably still go Grundy to Pitney to bank 400k and upgrade a rookie to a premium? Is that still an option this week, Chizo? I mean, if you've got nothing else to do. I mean, if you've, you've, if you've missed absolutely everything. Grundy looked a bit sore, and it's probably going to keep Cameron in the side for a little bit longer, even though he had a, a I wouldn't say woeful, but he... Bring back, bring back Cox. He didn't have a great year. You and your Cox, mate. We can't get... It just Bring Cox oh, in. It's in your mouth all the time. It's just always talking about it. Um, I love Cox. <laughs> the, see, this is my point. I'm looking at the rucks here that have DPP eligibility, some reason, there's 2% of the entire competition that has Oscar McInerney. And how much did he score this week, Cheezo? This is what I'm saying. How do we not get carried away? He's only averaging 86, but he's got a 132. These these Ruckman are somehow like an average Supercoach score, average player, average Ruckman in Supercoach. Is about seventy five, right? That's your average. That's that's the whole scaling thing. Why are they all averaging one hundred and ninety? That's like it's going it's going to get out of control if we if we're not careful. She's a no one's no one's bringing in Oscar. He's in more McEnany. teams than Boke and um, Ebert combined, and they're genuine options. 
I think you're you're getting carried away with the amount of people that have him in their side. I don't think it's. I'm throwing my pen. It's, probably, it's not a super coach relevant discussion. I, Why are you going to be super coach relevant? He's the... in more teams than both of them. <laughs> Please, I, I feel bad. I, I, Grundy's probably going to be fine now. I, I don't think we should be trading him to pit name. Panic. <laughs> Oh, mate, yeah. No, I'm too scared now. For for 400k, I don't know. That's a bit harder. But last week, for 500k, that was where that was the move to make. Um, geez, right. Todd Goldstein's averaging 150. Oh. He plays every minute of every game. Every center bounce. Is attendance. he going to be? Is he going to finish ahead in total points of Gorn or Grundy? I reckon he will. To be honest, like he. So, he, he's, so why he's just people... around the ball so much? How can you not expect him so, to keep averaging like this? If you had Pitney right now mm-hmm. as your R2 mm-hmm. and Ordnay Smith, whatever we're going with, which ruck would you be targeting at your R2? Honestly, Goldstein. And I tell you why. It's because in the preseason, the coaching staff literally came out and said, our plan is to play Goldstein 100% of the time every single game. And they literally are doing it. You know what I mean? Like, how how many times do we get false promises of people getting more midfield time? They've literally said that our plan is to get Todd Goldstein to ruck every minute of the game. That means he's going to be around every single contest in a game that is heavily favouring ruckmen that spend more time around the ball. And he's a good ruckman. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it's going to be virtually impossible for him to play 100% game time and not score points. He's playing Segler and then English in his next. So no good Ruckman well, technically in terms of how like AFL level, right? He's uh, he's going to score a lot of points. I mean, Cheezer, what about? Look, I'm going to say depending on the future game weeks, blah blah blah. You might need to get gone depending on how many games are played. Yada yada yada. Let's just ignore that for a sec. If you have no trades to do this week, and a lot of people have no trades, and or if you're just having fun with it and you want to have a bit of fun this season. Would you trade Grundy to Goldstein? I'm completely just throwing this up. I've just thought of it right this second. I can. I, I probably yeah. wouldn't because Grundy was averaging similarly before he had that knock. That has set. But now he's got a knock, and I just read out the fixtures to you. <laughs> I probably still wouldn't. I probably still wouldn't because we know, we've seen we've, no we've seen Grundy do 130 in a normal year. If in a year that's adver- that's like advantaging good like uh, proper ruckman i can still i can see him matching goldstein so it's kind of uh, the like if 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 grundy doesn't get injured for the rest of the year and goldstein doesn't get injured for the rest of the year from now on i can't see them being all that different to be worth making a trade if Grund- if one if grundy was going to miss a week for example i would totally do it but from from this point forward no injury to either of them. I see them scoring similarly. So I don't think it's worth it. If they're going to score similarly and you can make 40K and one's in 67% of teams and the other's in 4% of teams um, and you want to make a big play, uh, you could fade Grundy to try and, I guess, bet against him, maybe cops an injury and just make a massive leap on the competition as well. So I don't know, food for thought, something to think about. I don't actually uh, claim to know the right answer i just want to throw it out there i know some people have extra trades this week in particular because there's not too many rookies to grab county which we okay would you grab neil or would you grab goldstein if you were getting another premium in this week 
I mean, are you going from Pitney to? Golf I'm asking thing? the like, question. Don't you get nah, don't, No, I'm asking the question. I'm getting Neil because right. the only way. <laughs> what, am I copying a donut and have to upgrade the donut to Goldstein? Let's say yes. Like Pit- <laughs> <laughs> then, then yes, I will get Goldstein <laughs> over Neil if I'm copying a donut. If I've got Pitney, I'm not doing it. If I have got Naismith, I'm not doing it. If I've got Grundy and Gorn, I'm not doing it. If I have Sam Jacobs, I mean, you're probably deleting than- your side. But let's be honest. No. <laughs> No, if I got Sam Jacobs, I've, it's fine enough. Um, I'd probably just upgrade a rookie to Neil, and you know, just find that eight hundred thousand dollars in your back pocket somewhere. Oh yeah, we've all got that, so it's fine. <laughs> um, Chizo rookies yes. this week. Uh, there weren't very many that got named, and we noted Stephen Hill was a late out, mm. which was a bit of a killer. Maybe an early warning about uh, potentially jumping on too early, or even potentially getting him at all. Uh, Did I see someone tweet I, about this? <laughs> Potentially, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It may have been. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you pumping your own was... tires? No, I actually uh, forgot that you mentioned that. But thank you. Oh, for I've got, that oh, up. Um, just coincidentally forgot that I tweeted it. It's actually about funny it. because now that you bring it up, um, I said, "Why am I considering Bernal and Hill when you know all these injury-prone players are getting injured?" And then next thing, the next day, Bernal didn't play, obviously unforeseen circumstances, and Hill was a late out. It's pretty crazy. Um, that that happens. Anyway, moving on from crazy things that happen. Um, <laughs> Hamill and Will Hamill from Crows, uh, defender rookie, and Tom Williamson, um, you know, 140k Carlton rookie. They are both on the bubble this week. Do you think it's a good idea to get either of these guys? I mean, neither of them were all that exciting. I think. The first couple of rounds is when we saw a lot of the rookie price players that we really wanted to jump on. Um, I think by this stage, you have a lot of the rookies already kind of worked out. If you still have, um, you know, let's say um, a, a midfielder that you picked in the preseason that's not getting games, um, that, you know, doesn't look like he's on the selection horizon, I can easily see how you know it, it makes perfect sense to just swap to um, a playing rookie that's on the bubble i wouldn't be prioritizing them over fixing issues that you already have so if you have the likes of dusty whitfield dunkley kelly you know these kind of players i would be prioritizing over them because and on top of that it doesn't look like they're going to be making as much cash as some of these you know medium price players and I think that's probably answering my question before as to why people are jumping on <laughs> Butler and the fact that you know he, he's yes. slated to make more cash than these rookies that we have. That's that you've hit the nail on the head. I I like Hamill as a player, as a super coach scorer. I have no confidence in his ability to make me 150k. I don't have confidence in him really to make me 100k, Chizo. I have confidence Butler's gone back-to-back tons that he could potentially make me 100K. He's only 344K. Um, that's that's a very... It's a unique thing um, for this year in particular. I don't think Tom Williamson is a great chance of making that much more than 100K either. I know he's got good job security at the moment, but eh. he's not a particular flashy super coach scorer. I, I wouldn't be moving heather and earth. And I, I, specifically, if you have a non-playing player like Gould, who should come in at some point and probably will score better than Williamson. If I had to pay 30k to upgrade to him just to make 100k, I don't know if I would be 
making that trade unless I was desperate to get somebody like Lockie Neal or Fife. Um, yeah, it's crazy, Chizo, but I think there's other mid-price options that might make more money and be better options than these guys. Yeah, that, that, that's the one solution is like if you're if you're looking to get one of the, the big guns in and you have to downgrade your second trade this week in order to do that, I can see jumping on them is a good idea, but um, a lot of the genuine cash-generating options seem to have already filtered through the first couple of weeks. Um, I guess you, you've got another option to pick up Trent Rivers as well in the defense, which is another one to look at. Uh, Pistol, we'll jump into the last thing of the podcast I do want to touch on, and that is just a little reflection on how the scoring has differed to what we expected. I think uh, I had the anticipation that um, you know, much like last year where we had all the kick-in data points that were giving a few extra points to our big guns in the defensive line and helping them outscore a number of the forwards last year. I thought of expe- I sort of expected that to continue this year, uh, but what we're seeing is almost the opposite, that we just have a lot of awesome forwards to pick from, um, and the defense has just been pretty whack. It's funny how it's gone. Um, definitely not what I expected, that there would be all these actually amazing forward options and a bunch of back options that kind of suck. <laughs> there's, I think the thing for me is that there's like all these surprising forward options that are scoring super well, and all the back options, not all of them, but most of the back options that are scoring super well were the ones that we had expected. So like Jeremy Howe is a good super coach scorer. He's near the top. Doherty's at the top. He's in third. We got Hooley at four, Lloyd at five. Haynes was a decent enough scorer last year. I mean, he's he's obviously outperforming what out we expected, but it's not super surprising. He's in sixth. Um, we've got Shannon Hearn there, then Caleb Daniel, then Tom Stewart, then Sicily. None of these names really are just jumping off the page, being like, "Wow, I can't believe they're averaging that." It's it's all the the top players are scoring really well, but it doesn't feel like that in the forward line where it's just. A bunch of random players are scoring a bunch of random points and are making a bunch of people happy yeah. or sad, depending on which ones you own. But um, yeah, this year in defense, I think the only super surprising one after three rounds is Maynard averaging 111 points. How? Play, as, as a Collingwood supporter, tell me how. I've got no idea. Firstly, he's even putting up 1.6 points per minute, which is really He doesn't really know how to kick a football. For a defender. I mean... Lloyd is 1.1 points per minute. How is one? The Hooley is 1.4. So Maynard is, he's putting in work. But look, we spoke about the Pies chip chip defense um, lately, and he's been, honestly, he's been really good. Like he does, Collingwood's backline in particular has been super solid, and they're getting a lot of points from spoils and just cleaning up. Um, and, you know, when Howe's getting these balls and he's kicking it to people, he's hitting up Maynard a lot of the time. And, you know, Maynard's progressing the ball forward as well. Uh, I'm not saying he's an option. He's 487K. He's way too expensive for somebody um, that could just, you know, disappear mm. off the face of the earth and average sub-80 for the rest the, of the, the season. The chip is definitely helping, though. Oh, definitely. Mm. The chip-chip ball is just unbelievable. But I'd, I'd rather pay 14K more if I had to for Sicily. Um, that feels a lot safer. I mean, it's the same price as DBJ, who's you know averaging 95. Um, Tom Stewart is only a little bit more, you know, averaging 100 plus. Um, Shannon Hearn is in the midst of a price fall. Um, his break even this week is uh, very high. It's um, 160. So you know he's going to fall quite a bit of cash. So there's players that are going to be around the same price as Maynard. I don't think I'd be bringing him in, but it's just an interesting 
facts that he's averaging 111. Yeah, I, I didn't see this kind of increase from Nick Haynes either in terms of like he's always been like that high 80s kind of average and then this year to jump, you know, almost 20 points to almost 110, it seems like a little bit of an outlier for me as well. He's good. Yep. But, <laughs> he's yep. good. That's, that's all Bang it on. is. Spot on. Good player. It, 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 it seems <laughs> like if you, you know, in defense... You could have picked any of the standard premiums and you would have scored well. Somehow I managed to miss all of them. Um, and into the forward <laughs> line, I tried to go safe and pick Dusty and Whitfield, and that worked out great. Uh, I'm, I'm super, oh, no. super impressed about that, as you can tell. Um, oh, dear. I think, Chizo, um, Tom Duday, we should probably mention mm. he's he was taking a lot of kickouts um, this week with uh, Miller out. He Duday... I don't know if there's a direct correlation. It's a one-game sample size, but he looks much, 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 much better than week one, obviously, because he turned up. Um, yeah, he had a great score this week, and now his break-even is 16, but he only rose 20K, so I think it's not too late to get him as well yeah. in your side if you do want him. People with Ridley, if he is ruled out for the next one or two weeks, um, consider the move. Um, I think otherwise you could... Potentially jump a noble to a due day if you wanted. Uh, I guess that stability there as well because they're approaching a more similar price. So there's some flexibility around there, and I think um, for most people, when they're working out their trades this week, there is some way to be able to capitalize on some of these mid-price mm. cash cows that are just flying. Is noble doing enough to keep his his place long term? Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Okay, I mean he he was quite solid. He had. He wasn't even that bad in round two, honestly. I mean, he he was defensively good. He wasn't offensively very good. And this week, he was solid enough. I, I can't be too displeased. It's 251K. Hasn't really made me enough, but I would definitely feel a lot more comfortable having Dude on the field <laughs> than Noble. Uh, that is for sure. <laughs> okay. All right. That, that that makes me feel a bit better. But yeah, I, I, can, I can definitely see the merit because uh, I, I, I think the exposed form of uh, Dude in previous years... Tells me he's got um, much more scoring power, as we, we've seen, if he has the right role. So um, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, guys. It, it kind of turned into a bit of a shambles about two-thirds of the way there. I don't know I don't know how we ended up to where we did, Pistol. We kind of uh, ended up in a cul-de-sac, as Doc would say, and we didn't get out. I kid you not, about three or four topics ago, I thought that was the final topic and we were going to wrap up. And, then you, and we were like, all right, one more thing. One more thing. <laughs> and now we find ourselves at like an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, yeah, where, where did our nights I, go? I, I think the thing is that no matter what happens in Supercoach, we still enjoy the game. We still enjoy talking about it. We're still the biggest Supercoach nerds you'll probably ever come across. So if you still enjoy the game, we're still going to enjoy talking about it too. So I hope you enjoyed sitting through this on your commute or wherever you may be listening to it. Pistol, if people want to grab us during the week, do you want to shoot some Twitter handles where they can find us? You can find myself at pistol underscore DRSC. I've had some fire tweets lately, so make sure you uh, like it up. Uh, Chizo, yeah, you can find at Chizo with a Z underscore DRSC. And JB for JB underscore DRSC. And the main account is Dr. underscore Which is basically the the main page is basically JB retweeting his own stuff. Let's be honest. That's that's just what he does. (laughs) It's just, it logs into one. Makes a funny comment, logs into that one, shares it to the page that has the more followers. So uh, don't think we don't see that, JB. I, I've got, I've got. I my appreciate eyes out, it. You, you appreciate it, yeah. <laughs> Look, it's 
some content's better than, than <laughs> oh, the page. shots, so, shots, straight at me. I appreciate oh, it, JB. Oh, straight at me. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, but thanks for having me on this podcast, Chizo, for hosting. And uh, hopefully we can do uh, another one on Thursday, unless there's no carnage and, you know, there's no problem. We, we won't need to podcast. I'm going to tentatively <laughs> schedule in a Thursday podcast just so there is no carnage because there seems to be a reverse correlation here. So uh, thanks for ch- checking in with us, community. Thanks for being with me, Pistol, and talking some Supercoach. It's been fantastic. Hope you have a good week. We'll catch you later on for the teams in round four. Talk to you soon.